Welcome to a special edition of Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry focusing on God's unconditional love and grace. On today's broadcast, Andrew's joined by author and advocate for Christian apologetics, Alex McFarland. Internally, the Bible affirms itself. Externally, the evidence supports it. And if I'm going to believe God on eternity, I want to believe God on creation. And now, here's Andrew. Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of our Gospel Truth broadcast. I'm going to be introducing a, a guest that I'm going to be interviewing here this week. But before I do that, let me just say that the Lord really spoke to me about two years ago about a biblical worldview. And it actually happened because I was sitting in church and my pastor, um, he said something about, I think that the stats were that only 5% of the American population has a biblical worldview. And they broke it down that it's like 20% of Christians have a biblical worldview. But anyway, these stats were just terrible. And I was thinking about how, how um, this is the reason that we have so many problems is because even Christians don't uh, deal with the culture that we live in based on what the Word of God has to say. And I was really upset about that and praying about it, and the Lord just spoke to me and He says, so what have you done to change the people that watch your program about their biblical worldview? And of course, I'm speaking on things constantly, but I had never organized it into a systematic approach to just what does the Bible have to say about like the Bible? about the inspired portion of that and, and evolution versus creationism and then on the moral issues of the day and stuff. So anyway, for the last two years, I've been working to come up with a biblical worldview and we've got some things that'll be coming out in 2020 that I think is gonna be one of the best things I've ever done. But I just was so convicted that I need to go ahead and start doing something now and I'm still in the process of developing my own teaching on this. But Alex McFarlane is my guest today, and he has come to our Bible school and ministered a number of times. I met him, I think it was three or four years ago, when Mark Cowart had a conference on breaking the silence, and uh, I was there with Alex then, and I've heard him a number of times, and I found out that he's somewhat of an expert in this area of biblical worldview. So uh, today we have a guest with us, Alex McFarlane, and uh, and we just are blessed to have you here, Alex. Thank well, you so much for coming on my program. Well, thank you, Andrew. It's a great, great honor. Having watched you for years and followed your ministry, this is very, very special to me, and I thank you for having me. All right, and I, I, we had you on my Truth and Liberty broadcast a couple of nights ago, and anyway, your resume is multiple pages. I don't mm. want to go through all of that, but you have been on many secular things, Fox News, you've been on all kinds of secular programs, you've been traveling and ministering. You said in over 2,000 churches you've ministered. Yeah, I, I give God the glory. You're a young man, and well, I mean, bless I haven't you. been in 2,000 churches. That's, well, that's phenomenal stat. You know, at, at age 21, I got saved, and the Lord Jesus changed my life. And Andrew, I was very shy and timid and uh, very much an introvert, but my friends needed Jesus. And I began to witness and, you know, people that knew me maybe back in high school, they meet me and they're like, what happened to you? You are not the same Alex McFarlane we used to know. I said, that's right. Um, Jesus came into my life and, you know, you preach, you witness and 30 years goes by. 
and you had a desire to be able to share your faith with other people, and yet they started saying, well, what about this? And you didn't have an answer. So yeah. that's kind of what led you in to becoming a Christian apologetic, yeah. or apologist, I guess is the way you'd say it. Yeah, you know, biblical worldview and apologetics is, is new to a lot of people. But 30 years ago, I mean, it was really a new thing. But I got saved, and my friends at school, I was trying to tell them about Jesus, and they had questions. And so I discovered on the apologetics side, Josh McDowell, evidence that demands a verdict and more than a carpenter. But you and I were talking about a mutual friend. I'll tell you somebody who radically changed my life, and it was a man named Arthur Blessed. I used to see Arthur Blessed on television, and I wanted more than anything in the world, I wanted to lead a soul to Christ. And I got a couple of books he had written on how to do evangelism. And between Josh McDowell and answering the questions and Arthur Blessed, how to share the gospel, God began to change me into a, a witness for the gospel. You know, Arthur's a good friend of mine, and he says he watches this program real regular. So, Arthur, if you're watching, Alex would sure like to connect with you. <laughs> He's a hero. Oh, my goodness. I cannot overstate the impact Arthur Blessed made in my young life when I first got saved. All right, and so you, you travel and you hold apologetics conferences with youth. How, how long have you been doing this? We've been doing that 22 years. Wow. And, uh, you know, uh, the Lord laid on my heart something we call it Truth for a New Generation. And I, I went to a Billy Graham event. Billy Graham had a conference for young evangelists in the late 90s, but um, he got sick and couldn't come, and he spoke via video from a hospital bed. And he said, um, evangelist, when you get home, go to your quiet place, get on your knees and say, God, what is my next assignment? And I did that. I got on my knees. I said, God, what is my next assignment? And into my mind, I saw the words, truth for a new generation. And we began to rent auditoriums, coliseums. We've been in about 47, 22 years, we've done about 47 major citywide events wow. that um, Josh McDowell, Lee Strobel, Ravi Zacharias, um, a lot of apologists. And, and Andrew, I would say one of the great exciting things of our time is, yeah, there's a lot of unbelief and there are atheists and there are people that are openly hostile to the gospel. But God has raised up champions for the faith. Um, I think of Gary Habermas. Habermas uh, has a PhD from Michigan State. He's at Liberty. He is literally the world expert on ancient evidence for the resurrection. And brilliant guy. He's led tens of thousands to Christ. And in the TNG, Truth for New Generation conferences, we're trying to help young people, number one, get born again, but number two, know what they believe and be able to defend it. All right, let me ask you this. As we start into this, just uh, give the reasons why it's important to be able to defend your faith. Now, I understand that it could affect them personally. It could enrich their relationship with the Lord, but how does it affect our culture if if Christians were able to defend what they say they believe? Oh, good question. The, the number one reason that we need to rise to the challenge and be able to present, explain, defend, and every Christian needs to be in, invested in this, present the gospel, explain the gospel, if need be, defend the gospel. The number one reason is because the Word of God tells us to. Verses like 1 Peter 3.15, be ready to give an answer. Uh, and then the souls of people, because people are lost and they're going to spend eternity either one of two places. But I would say thirdly, we need to rise up and be able to defend what we believe 
because the very future of our nation hangs in the balance. And uh, Andrew, I don't want to be doom and gloom. I'm safe in Jesus and I'm a happy camper. But without a great revival, a great awakening and a move of the gospel, our nation has some very dark days. It's doomed. And I was just reading today about uh, Truman. And you can go all the way back to uh, John Adams and really many, many, many of our presidents have said that that Christianity is only fit for a moral people. If you can't restrain yourself with moral values, you can't pass enough laws to control people. And so our republic is really based on a biblical worldview, a Christian mentality. The founding fathers, even the ones that were considered to be relatively unreligious, had a biblical worldview. They did, absolutely, unquestionably. And so without that, we don't have an anchor. And our society is going so far astray that if we don't have a returning to these things, we will not last. You mentioned uh, the very small statistic of people that have a biblically informed perspective on life, a biblical worldview. A hundred years ago, there was a man named G.K. Chesterton, and he said this in 1908. He said, as much as we need to win the lost to Christianity, more and more we need to win the Christians to Christianity. Isn't that a great quote? That's awesome. But you, you know what I would say? So many of our kids, let's say 25 and younger, because it's my privilege, I speak at a lot of colleges, and I'll Uh, I'll go in and do a panel or a debate an atheist. Our kids have been told over and over that the Founding Fathers were atheists or deists. Now, of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence, the two iffies, uh, I I believe you can make a very compelling case that 54 of the 56 knew the Lord. Mm -hmm. But even Jefferson and Franklin, the evangelist George Whitfield, Uh, gives an account where he soundly led Benjamin Franklin to Christ. And Franklin built him a tabernacle that seated like, what was it, 20,000 people? He did. He did. So that he could preach the gospel. Not bad for a guy that wasn't supposed to have a relationship with the Lord. I absolutely believe you will see Benjamin Franklin in heaven. Now, Jefferson is is an odd case. Um, I've got a, a friend, Jerry Newcomb, who's a great scholar, used to work for James Kennedy. And he wrote a book, and it is the definitive book on Jefferson's spiritual life. And it's called Doubting Thomas, question mark, by Dr. Jerry Newcomb. Maybe Jefferson knew the Lord. We honestly don't know. But at any rate, Jefferson was overwhelmingly moral. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. He had a biblical worldview, he, whether he, he had a relationship or not. Amen. Amen. He really did. And, and so a biblical worldview says that there is a God and God created. We didn't evolve. God is the foundation of moral truth because he's righteous. And God has revealed himself to the human race. And not only can we know about God, we can know God. Amen. And, and really, the church... One reason I have hope, brother, is because there are, Barna says, maybe 130 million adults that actually really do know the Lord. But it's time we get informed, we get equipped, we get emboldened, and we've got to tell our nation once again about Jesus. It's in the absence of Christians speaking out what the Bible has to say that has allowed our nation to go the direction it's going because people honestly don't know. You know, there was a pastor in uh, San Francisco that I was visiting with, and of course San Francisco is famous for the homosexual community, and so I just asked him, I said, have you run into this problem with homosexuals like coming to your church and stuff? Do they take offense or what happens? 
And he says, oh, no, we welcome it. We never say anything about homosexuality because we want them to be able to come and feel loved and accepted so that we can win them to the Lord. And so I said, well, I understand what you're saying there, but if you don't teach on what true marriage is and true sexuality is, then the children that are coming through your church, and this guy had thousands of people in his church, the children coming through your church are going to be raised in a vacuum. They aren't going to know what the Bible says, and I can guarantee you when they go to secular school, they are going to be taught that homosexuality and all of these other things are acceptable. And I said, in the absence of you making a statement, what choices do they have? Mm. And this is basically where our society is. The church has not stood up on adultery, on abortion, on homosexuality, on just you can yeah. go down the road. Uh, socialism is making a big comeback, and the Bible just teaches completely against that oh, system. Yeah. And in the absence of us speaking, well, the liberals, the ungodly, yeah. are the only ones putting information out there, and people are buying into it because we haven't done Christian apologetics. Well, and we need a revival of biblical literacy. You know, I, I quote a lot of Bible verses. I'll be on the road pe preaching, and they'll say, you really do quote a lot of Bible. But one of my verses I love, Psalm 119, verse 93, I will never forget thy words, for through them I found life. Amen. And in the church of Jesus Christ, we must preach the word. Um, you, you and I have each pastored. But I, and so I love the church, and I, I love to minister to pastors, but I would, I would beg the pastors of this land to preach the Word, the whole counsel of God. And that, that does include sin and repentance and the things that God calls an abomination. And it's been said, you know, no offense, no effect. And it, we're not doing the work of the gospel if we just coddle people straight into hell. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is time. Well, I, and I know you recall from the 19th century, there was Charles Finney. Charles Finney said, if America loses Christianity, it will be the fault of the clergy. Absolutely. And that's where we are. Uh, indeed. And you know, I saw a Barna survey. I'm sure you've seen this, but he said that 90% of the pastors who were surveyed said that the Bible had an answer for every social, moral issue that we face. Good. But then the next question says, how many of you preach on it? And only 10% of those people said that they ever preach on it because they're afraid of offending people and driving people off, losing money, whatever. Well, you know, with, with the Truth For New Generation tour, um, in 22 years, we've been in front of more than 100,000 teenagers. Praise God. And, uh, oh, it's exciting to see what the Lord is doing because young people are spiritually hungry. They are. But we've surveyed, and we've had more than 30,000 turn in a survey card. And, and I ask kids, what, who is the main person you would listen to or the main voice regarding morality, God, sexuality, right and wrong? Number one, not surprisingly, is parents, mom or dad. And down the list are teachers or peers. They're the last. Number two, second only to parents, are youth pastor, pastor, or clergy. Wow, I'm surprised at that. Yeah, so I would say to the pastors, you, you probably have far more entree into the attention of your parishioners than you realize. And we need to, from the pulpit, and of course in small groups, Sunday school, whatever, but in the house of God, teach the Word of God. 
because indeed the scripture does speak to any issue we're struggling with. Well, you know, like I said at the introduction of this program, I'm going to start teaching on a biblical worldview, and it really does all hinge on the Word of God. In other words, it's not up to us to pick and choose what's moral. Right, right. We can't say that, well, society has changed and now homosexuality is accepted and things like this. God, by virtue of the fact that He's God, He's the one that gets to set the rules of what's right and wrong. And for a society to change and say, no, we aren't going to go by what God says, we say that this is okay. That's making yourself God. So anyway, one of the things I'd like to start doing, we're running short on time today, but I want to have you start sharing some truths about how can we be assured that the Bible is accurate Amen. and that it is God's Word. Because to me, you call it a Christian worldview. I call it a biblical worldview. It's Amen. the same thing. But yes, sir. I'm just trying to emphasize that the Bible is the foundation of our belief system. And I don't think that most Christians uh, are committed to the accuracy of the Bible. Most people believe it's kind of a vague representation. Yeah, but it is the, the Word of the living God. Absolutely. And John 10, 35, Jesus said the Scripture cannot be broken. Isn't that something? We can't declassify sin. Right and wrong doesn't change. The Word of God stands forever, and we'd best believe it. I believe that. So we've got, a, we've got about five minutes here or so. Uh, I want you to just start on this. Okay. How can we... How can people, like for instance, let me start with evolution mm. uh, and stuff. People will come along and say that this is a proven fact. And of course, the Bible says that the worlds were created in six days and Amen. stuff. And so Christians, even Christians have tried to somehow or another fit the Bible and evolution together. How do you approach that? Uh, evolution and the Word of God are absolutely incompatible. Amen. There, there's no place in the, the mind of a Christian for evolution. And so I, I often say this, and, and I'm glad you bring this up, because the Word of God begins in the beginning, God. So the universe had a beginning, and God was the Creator. I mean, so much of what we believe, it flows out of that. And if you start this journey assuming there is no God and we evolved, then all of your outcomes and answers, life, morals, purpose, marriage, they're all going to be wrong. So I believe that God created. Now, we've never observed evolution happening, despite whatever lies they might tell kids in school. Um, we've never watched something come from nothing. We've never observed something turn into something else. We've never observed uh, order come out of disorder. Uh, I think about uh, this, and this is so important. Evolution depends on death, because there was the, the less fit species died, they say, and there was no death before the fall. It, it, see, death is a consequence of the fall. That's what the Bible teaches. Amen. And, and if you believe the Bible, you're either going to have to reject what the Bible says or reject what evolution says. Exactly. And I, I really have to scratch my head whenever Christians want to say, well, maybe there is a God, but um, he used evolution as a tool. No, um, in fact, death is, is a consequence of the fall of Genesis 3. And in evolution, there was death for millions of years. And so the Bible says Jesus came to abolish death. Uh, but here's the thing, my dear friends, regarding Christianity. If you don't trust what God says about our past, how do you believe what God says about our future? If, if God was not part of our origin, how do we know that God is part of our destiny? 
And if I'm going to believe God on eternity, I want to believe God on creation. And, you know, a lot of Christians, people, like I had a brother-in-law who was a Christian, but he was brought up under all of his scientific, so-called scientific stuff, and he just tried to make the Bible and evolution compatible. So he talked about theistic evolution, mm -hmm. that maybe, maybe every day stood for millions of years, an eon, and things like this. And he tried to get them together, and he knew the Lord, but yeah. he somehow or another uh, tried to marry those two together. I think that if a person doesn't respect what the Bible says about creation, well, then just like you're saying, how can we respect what it says about our salvation, about what true morality is? This is a pivotal issue right here. We can't compromise on it. Well, well it is. And I, I'm just going to, I'm sharing from my heart, brother. I think a lot of Christians uh, are afraid to say they believe God created in six days because they think people are going to say they're ignorant or something like that. I, I've been at major universities, and when the talk comes to creation, I'll, I'll say, yes, I believe God created in six literal 24-hour days. He's God. He could do that. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea of millions and millions of years, there, there is no evidence for it. Uh, it was my privilege to spend 11 days in the Grand Canyon looking at fossils. You can go to the Grand Canyon. I physically saw this, touched it with my hands. A tree, yep. a fossilized tree, threw 30-some feet, right. layers of strata, and, and they would say, well, that tree, it took millions of years to fossilize it. No, there was a great flood, and rapid burial and heavy pressure created those fossils. There, I, I, and that tree goes through layer after layer that was supposed to be millions of years between each layer. Exactly. It couldn't happen. I hiked. You're going down the Colorado River, and we, there are these tributaries off to the side, most of which were created by floods. Okay, there is a tributary we hiked in the Grand Canyon. The walls are indistinguishable from the rocks they say are millions of years old, but we know that was due to a flood in the late 50s, and in under 24 hours, this yeah. tributary was carved. Mount St. Helens. I was going to say, you can see the exact same thing. And so, um, number one, there is a God, and the Bible is His Word. Number two, He created. We did not evolve. But number three, I think the key to understanding the topography of the world is the global flood of Noah, absolutely, the, the cataclysm. And um, Darwin, in his age, even in Darwin's time, some of the people that were evolutionists said that the, the, the Christians, they call them catastrophists because we believe in the flood. The catastrophists had a better answer for geology than did the Darwinists. Amen. We're just about out of time here. We want to offer your book about the 10 most common objections to Christianity. And this is Alex's book. Would you like to promote that just for a second? What's it about? Well, it's the top 10 objections that college students have. And we answer every objection, God, creation, the Bible, the problem of pain and suffering. And then we have a, a, a way to witness to every religion, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism. There's a chart that will help you. And then a small group 12-week study guide in the back. Man, that's awesome. So anyway, this is our offer this week. Our announcer is going to give you some information, and Alex is going to be back with me all of this week. We're going to be talking about this. We're also putting up his website and his contact information so you can go directly to him. But I encourage you to please get these materials. You need to become a Christian apologetic.
I think that's the right way to say it. And we are going to be talking about that, a biblical worldview, all week long. Listen to our announcer as he gives you this information. Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God already had determined a purpose for your life, a God-given purpose. God has a purpose to train you in what you're called to do, and I tell you, Karis Bible College is the place for that. Man, if you want a life change, come to Karis. Come on to Karis! The next two to three years could be the most powerful time of your life. If you sit under the Word for four hours a day, for five days a week, for two or three years, I guarantee you, you are going to have God speak to you and start revealing purpose to you. Every one of you are created for a purpose. Do you know what that purpose is? Chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, tennis elbow, plantar fasciitis, I'm completely healed. So if you don't have your expectation on by now, you better get it on. Glory to God, that healing is already paid for. I just believe that God is the God of miracles. I'm going to go and get back what the devil stole. Right now, I don't have any pain. I'm calling us to a greater place of signs, wonders, and miracles. I will not be using the wheelchair ever again. It's time for you to get up and take your authority and tell the devil where to go. Experience healing. August 13th through 16th at our Healing Is Here Conference 2019 in Woodland Park, Colorado. Register online at our website or call us at 719-635-1111. We hope you enjoyed today's interview with Alex McFarland. If you'd like more information about Alex's ministry or his books titled The 10 Most Common Objections to Christianity, and the 21 toughest questions your kids will ask about Christianity and how to answer them confidently, visit his website at alexmcfarland.com. It's been a real pleasure to have Alex McFarland on our television program. I tell you, he's a blessing. And we're offering his books here on the 21 toughest questions your kids uh, will ask about Christianity and also the 10 common objections to Christianity, but you go to his website to get that. Let me just mention that I have some product that we didn't specifically talk about, but you know, when you hear how bad everything is in the world, how do you keep your equilibrium? How do you keep from being depressed? I just happen to have a teaching on how to stay positive in a negative world. So we have uh, DVDs that were taken from a studio. We have DVDs that were taken from a live meeting. And then I actually have CDs and I promise you, this would be a blessing. How to stay positive in a negative world. Andrew would like to make his teaching titled, How to Stay Positive in a Negative World, available to you. This teaching is available in a CD album, as seen on TV DVD album, or as a live DVD album made from a Gospel Truth seminar. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. 
We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. We've got a brand new feature on Gospel Truth TV, and that is the on-demand feature. And that's where if you aren't watching at the time your favorite program comes on, you can go back and get whatever you want to see on demand. It's a great new feature. Check it out at gospeltruth.tv. Join us again tomorrow as Andrew continues his interview with Alex McFarland.